Here we are on the spaceship Nostromo with our crew and our nice little cat Jonesy. And we hope that nothing bad happens on this ship. Oh, wait. Oh, my God. There's a crazy, scary alien on board with us. <clears throat> game over, man. It's game over. We need your help, Ripley. Today on Through the Lens, we'll take on the Xenomorph. I want Xenomorph. And any androids that stand in our way. But before we get into all that, we need to get up on the comm link and get some news from Earth. Alex? You get better every week, Davis. I mean, you, you stumble up there a few times, but... Hey, my, my, like, my voice is kind of going. You heard a, it on the game Sunday. over, man. I'm tired. I might be a little more low energy today. I don't know. That game over was pretty accurate. It's game, game over, man! Game over! I can't say what he says after, but... Oh, yeah. As, Bill, Paxton. Bill Paxton is the GOAT. Love Bill Paxton. Big, big fan of that guy. But as Davis said it... That's right, guys. We're talking about the Xenomorph movies, or the Alien movies. The name of the animal seems to change based on each film in the series, but either way, we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about a couple things first and foremost, of course. We've got some trivia. We've got to make it up to you after last week, not ending it with any trivia. So we got a trivia question here for you today, and we'll start out with this one. We'll remind you of it at the end of the episode. You can reach out to us directly if you'd like to give a go at an answer to this trivia question. Davis... Go ahead and try and guess as best you can without revealing it on the airwaves. What is missing from the Alfred Hitchcock classic, The Birds, that is common in almost all other Hollywood movies? Are you, you want me to answer this? No, no, no. Like, do, do you think you know? Mm. Don't, don't say it on the airwaves. Yeah. Okay. David's got it right. I was there gonna, we go. I, I was just off. The, I, I've never seen that movie. I just kind of guessed. It's a, it's a great movie. I'm trying to get Alex trying to get water, and he always look, man, tries to talk while he's getting away from the... Hey, hey, look, I'm a little, I'm a little thirsty. A little thirsty. This episode is brought... No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. He's kidding. My lips are parched. I don't want any of your Dasani, though. Well, oh, oh, right, 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 right. Well, we... Well, Bad one, for you. Okay, let's not say that. Let's not say that on the airwaves, Davis. What? Okay. Um, speaking of things that are related to the news, what have you been watching lately, Davis? You've been watching anything interesting outside of the Alien movies we've been, we've been viewing? Only thing... I haven't really been watching anything, um... But I have been playing some stuff. Oh. Namely, that being Modern Warfare 2. That really? is just, it came out on Friday. I had the, I got, on Monday, I pre pre ordered it, quote unquote, quote unquote, so I could play the campaign early. And, and was it worth it? Campaign's pretty cool. Uh, I just kind of put aside all my preconceived notions about life when I play a Modern Warfare campaign. Yeah, because there is a lot of controversy, because there is a certain level in the game, spoiler alert. That's not even the worst. Oh. Like, you don't... So, I mean, Alex talking about where you're going to the border. Are, are you not? Right, yeah, and there and there's like a point where people come outside, and there's a prompt on the screen that says, point gun at civilians to de-escalate situation. Well, that's, I mean, it's pretty realistic, frankly. Mm. Is that not what they do? That I mean, that is what they do, but it, the question is if that is what they should do. Well, is, obviously is, not, but it's, it's not... You're in a world where you're playing as mercenaries trying to stop uh, a guy named Hassan from s striking missiles on the U.S. I feel like people forgot that in Modern Warfare 2019, you torture a dude and you have an option to shoot them or not. I don't remember that. Because that's the butcher, remember? And, the, and then his, like, his family's right there. Mm, I don't remember that. I did crazy, play it. I don't remember that, though. Crazy level. I played it, and I was like, what is happening? Modern Warfare uh, 2019's pretty cool. People, yeah, people forget that no Russian happened. Like yeah, I mean, no rushing in the first Modern Warfare. Don't you nuke it at the end, like the original Modern Warfare? Or something? Uh, well, you don't, but you do get nuked. Yeah, so I mean, like, these are pretty crazy games. Yeah, I don't, I don't feel like they're like, hey, you should go do this. Well, it's you know, it's always the discourse about whether or not video games negatively influence blah 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 blah. They won't, they won't influence me. Well, yeah, Davis, but cool. you're not an impressionable child, unless you are. Maybe not. Who knows? 
Um, and with that, I have not been watching much, except I did watch Top Gun. Uh, Sutton, my roommate, and I, and our friend Emily, you know Emily, watched Top Gun. And he was like, it's Top Gun Maverick. He's like, it's kind of overrated. And I'm like, it's just a good movie. But anyway, I don't want to get too much into that. And then I watched some more of What We Do in the Shadows. So Davis saw me and Megan dressed up as Nadja and Laszlo last night. We watched two more episodes of that show, including one episode that was entirely a spoof of like those home improvement shows, and it was so, so good. The show, the Who home improvement show. We were talking about TD can make good things. Uh, well, he doesn't actually make this one. That's the joke. I thought he used you know? to make that. Well, no, so he made the show, he made the movie, and then now his friend Jermaine Clement, Clement oh, okay. only makes the show, and like will tweet about how Tyka's like never there, even though he still gets a pr- production credit. That's Which I don't know. If, I don't. I don't know how serious that is. Sometimes you never do know. But yeah, in in the show, the home improvement show was called to go flip yourself, which I thought was pretty funny. Pretty funny. Hey man, pretty funny. I know indeed. the clipper. He's like, you're the most vile man in all of New York. I I don't feel like doing the voice. You know what I'm talking about? Uh no. I, it's from the show. It, it went viral a while ago. Interesting. I do not recall those things actually. Let me see if I can find the quote. I mean, I I recall a lot of it, but it the show is so so good. But Davis. Why don't we move on to news? Because we, we actually are in a bit of a time crunch. This is one of the first times we're going to have people behind us as we record Yeah, we're going to keep this one expedient because I feel like I really need to go take a nap. Oh, Dave is very tired. Well, we'll try and be as expedient as we can. A lot of big news this past week. A I lot of we, you probably already we talked We go about. through the news quick so we can talk more about the alien. That's true. But it, well, that, we always go through it. It's just discussions tend to happen, Davis. Let's just look. I, I'm going gonna, gonna, gonna to refrain from discussing unless but I feel it, I need exactly. to. Exactly. If you feel like you need to, feel free to say oh, something. I'm going to fall asleep in here, man. Davis. I'm just kidding. I'm not going to do be, that. You better not do that or I will have to throw my phone at you again. And Henry Cavill will exit The Witcher after season three with Liam Hensworth set to replace him as Geralt, right? Geralt of Rivia. Of Rivia. The news comes only a few days after Cavill announced he is returning as Superman to the DC universe. Now DCU, not DCEU. So maybe it'll just be more of a carbon copy of MCU. Who knows down the line? And primarily because of the fact that Henry Cavill announced originally he was committed to seven full seasons of The Witcher, and now he's gone after season three. Davis, you said you think there might be another theory there. I thought it was just because he wants to be a movie star again. I mean, like, I feel like I I, I've, I always saw the things where he wants it to be. I haven't watched The Witcher. I am a big Witcher fan because of the games. And I in high school, I did read, like, two of the books, I think. I read one and a half of them when I was in Driver's Ed. I'd read. I got them all on my iPad, and I read the first one. It's Blood of Elves, the first one. It's pretty cool. It's kind of like an anthology one, that one, if I remember right. But Henry Cavill wanted it to be more accurate to the books because he actually is kind of a nerd. Not in a bad way, obviously, but he's like a big <laughs> he's a big Warhammer fan. He likes all that stuff. He plays like D and D and stuff. Which is very uh, you wouldn't assume that from him. You you would not. You absolutely would not. But and there's like stories from the set where people were like making fun of the source material, and no one had actually oh. read it. They thought it was stupid. Oh, that could be why he left because he he made it known that he wanted it to be more accurate. Interesting. So with that, in the same breath, more DC news. According to The Hollywood Reporter, James Gunn is the new co-CEO of DC Films alongside Peter Safran. Gunn, Gunn's resume obviously speaks for itself. As for Peter Safran, essentially he's been a producer that's worked on a lot of big like uh, Warner Brothers Discovery projects. Not really like any good or positive, good or negative, or positives or negatives. Like it's just kind of he just had a lot of experience. Period, and seems to be maybe. A more of an inside guy, the insider for DC, while James Gunn is very clearly the outsider for DC. And Kevin Feige was actually asked about this at the premiere for Black Panther Wakanda Forever. 
Wakanda forever, and he said, he's got a lot of work to do for Marvel between now and May, which he is well aware of, but after that, I'll be first in line to see anything else, which is another Kevin well, Feige. Well, they asked Kevin Feige to do it, and he said no. That I saw that rumor as well, politely declined, so they said. Which what, do you, I mean, what do you think he said? Go kick rocks, kid? Uh, you know, I... I imagine so. I mean, why would he leave? You know, it's got a cushy job where he can make a bunch of really mediocre products at Marvel and get paid a lot of money for it. So, anyway, that's a some sneak people peek aren't happy about James Gunn taking over DC, though. Yeah, so people are like worried that like James Gunn's brand of humor from his movies is going to spill over, and I don't really think that's how it works. Like, I feel like Gunn is self-aware enough to know that his brand of humor is good for the movies that he wants to direct, but in terms of an overall content base, I mean, if he makes movies like he made, um, Blood. Blood, the the bad Superman movie, where it was like it was like Bloodborne or whatever. Yeah, oh yes, I know what you're talking about. Like, like the point is, like he has he made that apparently. Yeah, what? Let me look. Let me look into this right now. The one that wasn't good. I mean, apparently it wasn't it was terrible. Like, yeah, me- mediocre. Oh, uh, let's see. I mean, Guns Guns again resume mostly speaks for itself, but he also made Slither, which is a not very funny, one. scary movie, and it's also just kind of weird. Um, let's see. I mean, he did. Well, okay, he was he was involved. I thought it was involved. He, made, as, he, held, he wrote Scooby Doo Two: Monsters Unleashed. That's the true. better of the two. The be, the better of the two. Yeah, Monsters yes, Unleashed is. is awesome. Yes, it is. If you if you've listened to our podcast, you'd certainly agree with that. I mean, I think there's enough diversity of content there. Brightburn is what it was called. Mm. So do with that information what you will. I'm not worried about him. Forcing his brand we'll of see. comedy in, but I guess that's true. We will see. And speaking of Gun, the first trailer for Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special was released. Davis, what are your thoughts on more content? It'll be releasing on Disney Plus on November 25th, starring all the original cast. I'm getting tired. <laughs> it, real life right now, and of all the media that is coming out from Disney. There's there's a lot, and we're not even and done yet, Davis. If, if we didn't have this movie podcast, I don't think I'd ever watch any of them, frankly. <laughs> Yeah, it, truthfully, there's one that's really going to test my patience. You may have seen me tweet about this. According to Deadline, Marvel is developing a spin-off series around guess which character, Davis? Just think. Oh, it's Vision. Yeah, but is that really the character you'd White like to Vision. think of? Yeah, apparently White Vision. I don't really, I don't really understand that. It'll be titled Vision Quest. It will follow Vision trying to regain his memory and humanity. Elizabeth Olsen may also reprise her role as Wanda Maximoff. So truly, no one stays dead. Mm. That's I mean, that's how comics are anyway. But uh, I don't care. How about that? I also don't care. Is the best way I can describe. We have it. to I mean, watch it. No, well, it's in phase five. Okay, so we won't. We'll be. We'll be dead by then. Who's <laughs> that? Disney's gonna listen to these podcasts. Like, we have to get these guys out of here. Bob Iger is he still running? Is he? Who is I it? think it's somebody else. It's like Bob something. Kevin Feige's gonna hear this and have a. Kevin in, Feige's gonna have his ha- Kevin have Feige a robot show pill up for us if you catch my drift. See, see, the thing is with all these movies that are like all these production series that are very self-aware, is like they make something like She-Hulk and they think this is really funny because I'm poking fun at like the fourth wall and you know like Kevin Feige being a robot at the end of that show, but like all of it's still the same. If you get what I'm saying. Yes, I do. But just. Ugh. Oh, and another one, Davis. This is unrelated to Marvel, though, so maybe it's a little more exciting. According to Deadline, again, Henry Cavill and Isaac Gonzalez will star in Guy Ritchie's next film, The Ministry of Ungentlemanly Warfare. Awesome. The World War II action spy movie will be produced by Jerry Bruckheimer. I mean, I like Guy Ritchie. I don't dislike Guy Ritchie. He made the Sherlock Holmes movies. Um, 
Speaking of war movies, the new No No Quiet on the Western Front came out. It was supposed to be pretty all good. quiet on the Western. Oh my fault. I'm sorry. The very very different from No I'm Quiet. I'm tired, man. Hey man, it's okay, Davis. We we understand. I don't even know why I'm tired. I'm just like lethargic today. Oh, you you didn't have a long night? No, I mean no no no. That's not that's literally not why. But it had it's got a 94 percent on. I might watch that later. Well, it's it's it's. What the, are we doing? What's our what, what are we doing next week? I, we'll get there, Davis. Okay. We're doing Jordan Peele though. Okay. Which is gonna be awesome. So I got okay. I saw Nope recently. Exactly. It'll be. I, mean, we're, I think we'll, we'll we'll discuss that when we discuss that further as well. But yeah, that film. I mean, I like I Ritchie, and I like I I like. That sounds interesting. I mean, then again, a World War II action spy thriller. How generic can you get? Is the best way that I would describe that, Davis. I know you love what something you love more than anything, and that's a biopic. Because we got on? a new one, Davis. Is it on? Uh, it's on a young John JFK. What? A young John F. Kennedy biopic is in development with James Gray set to direct according to Deadline. Now, before we before we jump to conclusions, Davis, James Gray has recently done The Lost City of Z, Ad Astra, and Armageddon Time, that weird coming-of-age film about a Jewish kid in the 80s in New York that... We watched the trailer for a few episodes ago, and it was kind of, it was kind of weird. I don't know if I remember that one. It had Anthony Hopkins randomly, and it, like the trailer was super dramatic, even though the movie itself is like just a. Come, it was weird. It was weird. I but I do like. What was the first movie you said he made? Uh, he I made The Lost City of Z. I like that movie. I hadn't seen it myself. It's actually pretty good. Uh, it's kind of long, I feel like, but I'm a big fan of adventures of like archaeology stuff, and I was about Percy Fawcett find, looking for the lost city of Z, quote unquote. Interesting. And he goes, and Tom Holland's in it. It has, oh, what's his name? Charlie Hunnam, is that his name? Hunlan. Well, it's got him, yeah. I'm pretty sure. Uh, I like it. It's pretty cool. Cool. Uh, I want to read the book, but I don't feel like it. Yeah, you got, Dave's too tired to do There's read so many book. books I got to read. There's so many books. I have a lot of books in my apartment. I have not a lot of books, but I've read a lot of books on my list. You want any books to borrow? I got a lot. Davis, I got too many books. Okay. I, got too many, I read I got a lot too of many, history I got stuff, too many though. things. I read a lot of history. Ah, see, I, I'm not really, that's not really my forte. But like, speak- I like I like to learn about them, but like, sometimes you're just dense. You that's just, You just got to get off track real quick when, if, you, if you have a brain like me. And I mean, yes, I, I understand. And speaking of history, Davis... Biopics are an interesting thing and an interesting medium, and they can tell you a lot about someone that, you know, may have some stories you may not know about. But when it comes to a U.S. president, like, like somebody said, we already know what the last shot of the movie is going to be. Is going to be, you know, he's going to be just driving the car. It's like, or we're going to open that. It's like, hey, my name is JFK, and I know you're probably wondering how I got here. Let me take you back. No, he's actually a mutant. It's actually a, it's the first X-Men movie. Oh. Think about that. You, you remember they were like, yeah, he's a mutant. I was trying to, I was trying to move the bullet, which makes no sense because the bullet curved, then that means it. He was trying to move the bullet. Yeah, but 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 if 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 his moving the bullet only curved it to oh, still he, hit, so he would have missed. Yeah, like like it. it maybe he, he ill advised. Look, man, I don't. The timeline makes about as much sense as that it, plot well, line does it, too. Also, apparently, Robert Kennedy was like the mutant to end all mutants. That's why they killed him. Or something. I don't know. <laughs> I saw a video about X Men lore is quite funny in a sort of sad way, is the best way I can describe it. And, uh oh, Davis, I know what you like more than biopics. That is random, totally unnecessary sequels. And we've got one. The first trailer for The Santa Clauses, starring Tim Allen, was released. 
Also starring Wait, Ashton I'm gonna Rowan. I'm going to just stop coming in for the news segments. <laughs> Elizabeth Mitchell and more. The series hits Disney Plus on November 16th. Scott Calvin is about to turn 65 and, realizing he can't be Santa forever, sets out to find a suitable replacement, Santa, while preparing his family for a new adventure in life south of the pole. All I've got to say to that, Davis, <sighs> is that that is the exact same plot of the third film. I don't. I'm not going to see it. I only ever saw the first two. They're kind of funny. I mean, yeah, they were, as a kid, yeah, they were fun. But like, they do we need another one? The trailer watch looked, them. So the trailer was so weird because it was like all like, like oh, it's just oh, that's very like fun, sort of like I don't want to say like generic family content, but it felt like almost a show from our time capsule. Then like the final twenty seconds of the trailer was just like rap music playing while a bunch of like characters were dancing, and I was like, huh? Don't really. The vibe seemed a little strange, at least somewhat strange to me, Davis. But it, but don't worry, we won't talk about that for long. We got another trailer for a movie to be more excited about. Wait, First, we got to pause it right here. Why is that? The Panthers are tied 34-34 with the Falcons, and they're going to overtime. Oh, that's exciting. Like, we're good now? We just wh- Matt Rule's out of here, Christian McCaffrey's out of here, and we're good all of a sudden? I mean, the Falcons are not very good as an important. P.J. Walker has 317 yards, a touchdown interception. Deontay Foreman has... Uh, Three touchdowns? Three touchdowns, 112 yards, and then DJ Moore has 152 receiving yards on six receptions. <laughs> what the? Are we not tanking? What is happening? <laughs> well, didn't they win last week? Yes. We beat the mess out of the Bucks. Well, t- Tom Brady's going through right I mean, now. yeah, but like. I'm just saying I'm rooting for you guys because the more people that are three and four that lose, the better it looks for Washington. However, New Orleans. So, I just right. wanted to say that real quick. I, I was going to forget about that. No, I, I appreciate that. But Davis. Davis, let's move on to something that's a little more exciting than the Santa Clauses. First trailer for The Pale Blue Eye, starring Christian Bale, was released. It stars Harry Melling, oh, yeah, Gillian Anderson, Robert Duvall, who I didn't even think was still doing movies. I thought he was dead. <laughs> Frankly, I did not think he was alive. First of all, that's uh, that's James Caan. Con. Con. Dang it. Come on. I always, I always mess it up. Lucy Boynton, Toby Jones, and more. It's directed by Scott Cooper, and the film will hit Netflix because streaming services rule all. On January 6th, Cooper's credentials so far include Crazy Heart, Out of the Furnace, Black Mass, and Hostels. And the synopsis reads as follows, Davis. A world-weary detective is hired to investigate the murder of a West Point cadet. Stimmied by the cadet's code of silence, he enlists one of their own to help unravel the case. A young man the world would come to know as Edgar Allan Poe? Oh my god. That's like like when Hitler showed up as the post-credits scene at the King's Man. Madness. <laughs> I have my own ideas. I couldn't do it. I messed up my German accent. That's okay. It's okay, Davis. You know, we, we, we've gotten so many accents from you so far this year. I try my best. You do indeed. I hit a good one yesterday. What was it? Which one? You were dressed as a 70s man. No, 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 no. no. Adrian looked so much like you. It was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I gave what was Adrian- Logan's costume? He was a guy from wrestling. Oh, yeah. Did you see Noah's Ric Flair? Yeah. That was awesome. Um, I gave Adrian Wears wearing Mike. Those were all my clothes. Of course I'm they wearing were. the jacket right now. Of course you were. And awesome. those pants I wear all the time and that shirt. Not as I don't wear that one a ton, but yeah. I Very just, I just like, we were there. I was like, do you want to wear my clothes for Very it? convincing. Yeah. Awesome. Looked my, like me. He, he did indeed. He did indeed. But Davis, you know, it seems like the news segment, I didn't intentionally structure it this way, but it's back and forth we go between something to be excited about, something maybe to roll your eyes about, because now Sausage Party, Foodtopia, will be a sequel series to the Sausage I have Party no film, on this. returning the majority of the original voice cast, including Seth Rogen, Kristen Wiig, Michael Sarah, and more, and it'll be going to Amazon. 
Okay, move on. <laughs> I have nothing to say. I legitimately have nothing to say about that. Like, who cares? How about According that? to Deadline, the upcoming Star Wars film written and produced by Damon Lindelof, known for Lost, Lost. The Leftovers, which is an awesome show, by the way, and the Watchmen TV series, will be directed by Academy Award winner Charmin Obaid Chinoy. Primarily a documentary filmmaker, Obaid Chinoy has won two Oscars and seven Emmys before getting her big break at Disney. Emphasis on the big break within Disney, not her big break period. She's been a very big deal for a very long time. Her big Disney coming out party essentially was directing Miss Marvel. So apparently there's a Star Wars film. Yeah. I don't, really, Damon I don't, Lindelof. I don't, I don't really know. I kind of like Damon Lindelof. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Okay, okay. Hear me out. Hear me out. Hear me out. Hear me out. So remember how they're like a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away? What if we go to. A long time ago, but a galaxy very, very close by, like our well, galaxy. Well, they said that <gasps> they said a lot of characters from the sequels will probably show up in this. Which, I, which, it's just gonna be cameo. It's gonna be Fat Mando. Fat. <laughs> what would it be? They were playing at the football game. Gotta say, Baby Yoda. They played the Mandalorian song halftime. Oh yeah, yeah, but that's and Jack not... was singing. Oh, is that gotta the meme? say, Baby Yoda? I, I didn't even know that. That's just, that's the words. That's what it says. They played Top Gun. Did you notice that too? I did. Yeah. They had a plane. All the old people were freaking out. <laughs> what do you mean? Oh, we had a fugitive, a fugitive on the run from the law in our section. After, here's a tangent for you. After ah. Arkansas scored their first touchdown, like it, they, I was in section 40, so behind the, the end zone, the opposite end zone from the student section, right? Like right behind it. So like, and it went over the uprights and like it landed in the crowd, and like people were throwing it back, and then like an old person would get their hands on it, they throw it back down. So it was like doing that for a while, and we finally got it a good ways up, and a guy like caught it, and he ran all the way up the stairs and threw it out, and the cops were like coming to look for him, and we were all like, I don't know where he went. He went that way. But wait, you're allowed to throw the footballs over the stadium? Uh, I, on the student section side, I think maybe not on this side because I think that's where the cops park right under it. Oh, yeah. But we are... were gonna if 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 they if they were about to catch him, me and Chris were gonna be like, I did it, and then he's gonna be like, No, I did it. Everybody's gonna stand. It's gonna be like, No, I'm Spartacus. That would have been awesome. See, he came back around to move. Would have been the, the hi- would have been the highlight of the game. It, yeah, he was a fugitive. We were like, oh, we don't know where he, he went that way, officer. We, I didn't talk to any officers. Speaking of a fugitive, we'll be doing the fugitive later on this year. Are we really? I mean, it'd be fun. I love the fugitive. Good. That maybe that'll be one of our winter based on a true story. In a way, yeah. In a way, yes. Interesting. My teacher was talking about it actually. I'll take your word for it, Davis. Speaking of oversaturation of content and movies we're not excited about. The first trailer for Marvel's Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania mm. officially released, starring Paul Rudd, Evangeline Lilly, who was an interesting person, Jonathan Majors, and more of the MCU film hits theaters on February in February of 2023. Synopsis reads as follows, Davis. Scott Lang and Hope Van Dyne, along with Hank Pym and Janet Van Dyne, explore the quantum realm where they interact with strange creatures and embark on an adventure that goes beyond the limits of what they thought was possible. Davis, what are your thoughts on that? The trailer looked like Spy Kids 3. That's all I'll say. <laughs> so, have you seen, but that there's that tweet where it's like three comparison photos, and so one, like, yeah, I one saw of them that, is a like, Shark Boy and Lava Girl. When photo. I was watching, I literally said, whoever's on, were you, was I watching with you? No. I was watching with somebody, and I was like, this looks like Spy Kids 3. Like, I said that verbatim. Excellent. Like, I, so everybody's stealing my bit on Twitter, I guess. And this this might be a little Ministry of Truth uh, segment in the middle of the news. Have you seen how people are like, everybody's mad at the quantum mania CGI, but like, what did you expect them to do? Like, go to a different planet and film this? And I'm like... It could look cool, at least. They're, they're trying to compensate for everybody saying it looked like nothing. 
like all the colors were so bad, so they're putting too many colors now. Somebody said that yeah, because they're trying they they try to beat the beat the uh, gray waste allegations so bad that you just have forget how to make an actual shot. It looks does not look that well. Good. Like so, like there was one because uh, people pulled up a shot from the Thor Love and Thunder trailer where it's Korg and Thor off to like the right side of the screen. And everyone thought they were hiding a cameo to the right of Korg, but it turns out that shot was just in the movie. And for some reason, there's just all of empty space over on the left for no reason, which is hilarious. I'll say this as well, Davis. I've said it before. I'll say it again. We had a discussion about it in the studio or in, in the bullpen, actually, last week. And I said this. The fact of the matter is our sympathy for bad CGI because it's hard to make and expensive kind of goes out the door when Davy Jones is still the best looking CGI character on the planet and he was made a whopping 16 years ago you I mean you you give me the thumbs up because you agree 100% you're doing a lot of stretches a lot of yawning over there but I mean I'm it, it a dog right now <laughs> oh my goodness no, this, this. this stretch I'm doing right now is like <laughs> what, the most legit stretch I've ever had so I'm gonna need a second <laughs> Well, don't worry, Davis. I can I can certainly talk talk a bit there. I mean, seriously, it's the fact that like again, this studio that is making this movie made a character that was all. I mean, yeah, because they couldn't physically put an octopus on somebody's head, but you know what? They still made a character that looked awesome. And then Quantum Age looks like garbage. Like it doesn't look good. It looks so bad. Anyway, see now oh, you're God, tired. Now yeah, you get your it. fault. Your fault. How is that my fault? I am so lacking excitement, especially because Ant-Man and the Wasp was one of the most media... Like, I remember being in the theaters, bored out of my mind watching that movie. Like, did you watch it? Yeah, I don't... I don't... I haven't seen it in a while, though, so it's, I don't know. It's just a retread of the first one, which is not a good thing. Like, you know, uh, Michael Pena's got that really funny joke that he makes like 50 times, mm -hmm. and that's pretty much it. But anyway, Davis, on a sadder note, actor and comedian Leslie Jordan has passed away at the age of 67... I personally know him from the, oh, Lordy, I'm about to bust video, which is very funny. But also, Will and Grace, one of my favorite shows ever. That show is hilarious. My mom would always watch it while doing laundry, and I watch Will and Grace as well. Leslie Jordan, funny guy. Uh, thoughts yeah, I like and prayers. Leslie Jordan. Funny guy. Rest in peace. Indeed, rest in peace to him as well. I've seen a lot of pictures from him from the 70s as well. Yes. Really interesting. Vibes. Um, and, I mean, he he really was a big trailblazer in the community. Yeah. Uh, as we've, we've talked about that at length before. And again, Will and Grace, great show. Honestly, we're not allowed to tell people to go watch, but I would recommend that show personally. It's very funny. Go. According to The Hollywood Reporter, HBO's Green Lantern series will now focus on just Jon Stewart. The series was originally set to explore various lanterns, such as Guy Gardner and Alan Scott, but now it goes to just one. Davis, this is a kind of a divisive subject. A lot of people are really upset that it's going on just one Green Lantern instead of a group. What do you think about that? Do you have any thoughts at all? Um... I probably should because it's a movie podcast, but like, I'm not a super big Green Lantern fan. I guess the argument that I saw, and maybe maybe you you'll understand this, is that why focus on one Green Lantern in a series when you could do a movie on one Green Lantern and then do a series on a couple of them? You know, like Guy Gardner, Alan Taylor, Hal Jordan, eventually, of course, and John Stewart, who is my personal favorite of the Green Lanterns. You know what I mean, Davis? Yes. That's kind of the idea. For whatever it's worth. But I don't know how much that is worth. Also, Davis, according to <gasps> the sources, Fox News? Mm. Mm. Brian Cranston is developing a Malcolm in the Middle reboot, according to Frankie Muniz. The quote, re quote from Frankie reads this. He's kind of, he he's kind of heading slash writing the script and getting everything rolling. I would be down 100%. You ever a big Malcolm in the Middle fan? 
Mm-mm. I didn't watch I it. I always got it confused with the middle. Because there's Malcolm in the middle, and then there's just the show, the middle. Is that the one with Brick? The kid named Brick? Maybe. Uh, I don't uh, think it is. Well, actually, I don't know. Let me look this up right now, because I, I want to look this up. Well, Davis, what are you doing over there? Um, I got a photo text. A photo text? A text. From whom? Uh, Kendall. Oh, can't say. Wow. Scandal. I just told you who it was. <laughs> what do you mean? I know, I know. I'm just messing. Interesting. Apparently, these shows are not the same, but I was so convinced. Because, see, you're telling me that this guy, and then, like, honestly, no, nah, never mind, never mind, never mind. We're, we're, we're going to move on. But I honestly always thought these shows were sort of the same, which always confused the heck out of me. And with that, Davis, we're down to our last bit of news. Are you sad? Um, no, because I want to talk about Alien, because I absolutely love Alien. Excellent. So James Cameron blast Marvel and DC characters for, like, what feels like the 500th time. He said, quote, and strap in for this one, Davis, when I look at these big, spectacular films, I look at you, DC and Marvel, excuse me, it doesn't matter how old the characters are. They all act like they're in college. They have relationships, but they really don't. The things that really ground us and give us power, love, and purpose, those characters don't experience it. Thoughts? You're going to have to say it again. I'm sorry, Alex. I'm due for one of these of uh, uh, time, and this is my one. When I look at these big, spectacular films, I'm looking James at James Cameron said this. Yes, DC and Marvel. It doesn't matter how old the characters are. They all act like they're in college. They have relationships, but they really don't. The things that really ground us and give us power, love, and purpose, those characters don't experience it. Scathing review, but Davis is yeah, nodding yeah. in agreement yeah. because... I mean, like, you're not going to have a Manchester by the Sea... In a Marvel movie, there's not going to be characters that in depth. So yeah, true. I mean, I mean, even even Endgame touched on that a bit, but now the blip has become a, the world's biggest joke, as if it wasn't like you know, uh, the Infinity Cones. We've talked yeah. about that. Oh yeah, yeah at yeah. length. Like, they're not gonna like. In, I'm just saying, in Avatar Two: Way of the Water, they're not gonna have an ice cream stand in honor of getting their tree of life destroyed. By the way, no, it's just not gonna happen. Also, Avatar Two: Way of the Water gonna be three hours plus. Thoughts on that? Uh, I I don't know if I I might leave for that one. I don't know. <sighs> I'll go see it, but three hours is kind of pushing it. Three hours and ten at in least. Theaters. All I'll say is this: I think people, Marvel fans, do a lot of like not gatekeeping for the culture, but like, are you really? Like, it's just again boils down to the fact that it feels like these people can have different opinions. Like, are you really surprised that an old blockbuster director who made two of the most inventive, creative, and also I think really detailed sci-fi films ever, Terminator, Terminator 2, and Aliens, are you really surprised that he was, like, not really a fan of, you know, this? Mm-hmm. And we'll talk about it a bit later, Davis, but Bill Paxton's character in Aliens, right? He's essentially the comic relief, which is notably different from the first film. We'll certainly delve into that at length. But at a certain point, Davis... Where Bill Paxton, game over, man. Where Bill Paxton is isolated in that film. Everyone in the MCU is Bill Paxton in yes. some cases. Yeah, everyone is Fat Thor. Well, yeah, Bill Paxton's also just like we're gonna die. I'm crying because we're gonna die. And yeah, he's, he's, it's the joke is that it's he's a coward. I guess the joke is also it's not that, that he's funny. It's, it's also that, that he's Bill, a coward. It's also that Bill Paxton's naturally funny guy. Yeah, say that he delivers it with very with a lot of comedic uh, weight behind it. But Davis, I think it's time. 
to get into the movies that we all that everybody oh, yeah. came here for. The millions and millions of through the lens fans. Just kidding. Though I will say, um, I have a story for you later on after the show. Of course, can't say it on the air, but we'll we'll talk about that. Remind me later. Davis, it's Alien, the first film, stars Thomas Skerritt as Dallas, the captain of the Nostromo, Sigourney Weaver as Ripley, the warrant officer aboard the Nostromo, and had Broadway experience but was relatively unknown in film. This was her big break, and wow, what a big break it was for Sigourney Weaver. Veronica Cartwright as Lambert, the Nostromo's navigator, Harry Dean Stanton as Brett, the engineering technician, John Hurt as Kane. Love John Hurt, by the way. The executive officer who becomes the host for The Alien. Ian Holm as Ash, the ship's science officer who's revealed later to be an android. He was a character actor who had already been up to 20 films at this point. Brought probably the most experience of anybody in this group. Yafet Kato as Parker, the chief engineer. Or Koto, excuse me. And Balaji Badejo, I think. As the alien. Oh, yeah. By he played the, yeah, he played the alien. He was a 26-year-old design student, was discovered in the bar by a member of the casting team who put him in touch with Ridley Scott. Scott believed that Bajajo, at 6 feet 10 inches tall, and with a slender frame, could portray the alien and look as if his arms and legs were too long to be real, creating the illusion that, the, that a human being could not possibly be inside the costume. Stuntman Eddie Powell and Roy, Roy Scammell also portrayed the alien in some scenes. And then Helen Horton as the voice of the mother. Ooh, or voice of mother. Yeah. Directed by Ridley Scott. Ridley Scott is one of the best that there is. He has some some misses, but his hits are Gladiator. Gladiator, Alien. The Martian. uh, Blade Runner. Blade Runner. Mind you, Kingdom of Heaven Director's Cut is one of my personal we've talked about that at length, Davis. That might be a movie that we have to look into uh in 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 next semester's film list. But Ridley Scott. One of the best there is. Screenplay written by Dan O'Bannon with a story from O'Bannon and Ronald Shusset. And this is really strange, Davis. O'Bannon's career is pretty much barren outside of being an assistant on Star Wars, writing this film, writing Total Recall, and writing Return of the Living Dead. But the script is pretty strong, wouldn't you say? I think it's a pretty airtight script. Ridley Scott, he has so many good movies. Yeah, this man has a... Like, a, he has a, he's allowed to have a few misses because he's made so many... Cl- like, Black Hawk Down... Blade I forgot Runner, he made Black Hawk Down. Black the Hawk Down Martian. is one of th- He's making the Napoleon movie next year. Which I, I am so Alien, excited. Gladiator, Blade Runner, Alien Covenant, uh, not terrible. Prometheus, looking back on it, kind of good, but I need to rewatch it. I haven't seen it in a while. He also made the 1984 Macintosh commercial. Oh, the one where they throw the Yeah, thing the- it's awesome. Don't. <laughs> Don't put pancakes in your disc drive. So mind you, this was his second film after The Duelist, and then he immediately followed up with Alien with, followed up Alien with Blade Runner Madness. Did Thelma and Louise? Ridley Scott is like has has a case for being top top three. I mean, first of all, we've talked about Black Hawk Down is Black Hawk Down movie's absurdly good, and I'm gonna stress this again, Davis. We gotta watch. You gotta watch uh, the director's cut of Kingdom of Heaven. I will. Great movie. Truly is. So you've got all that. Then you've got cinematography. You've got Derek Van Lentz. So here's a little known fact about the cinematographer for this film, who is really good, by the way. He actually primarily handled filming commercials for companies such as British Airways, Chevy, Coca-Cola, General Motors. And he's only done it for four movies. Alien, Dragon Slayer, the X-Men film in 2000, and then Spreading Ground. And that was it. And this was his first feature-length film. And i got to say, pretty good film, just shot-wise. 
framed well enough to emphasize the claustrophobic nature of the film. Edited by Terry Rawlings and Peter Wheatley, and a score from the incredibly talented Jerry Goldsmith. The film has the first two films have really great scores each. I think Goldsmith utilizes primarily no music compared to because that also is up to up to the the composers. They decide when the music should be played, and there's a lot of times there's just nothing, and it allows you to almost freak out on your own. And this film with a strange release hitting U.S. theaters May 25th, 1979, but then going to theaters in the United Kingdom in September of that year. Seems like an odd gap. I don't know. I'm not sure. Maybe got lost things. on the way over there. Oh, yeah. Okay. You know, they, they, you know it's, it's a long yeah, way. It's 1979, man. Not a lot of rules. A pretty short film, only an hour and 56 minutes. And on a very modest $11 million budget, the film grossed $184 million at the box office. And the role of Whipley was Weaver's first leading role in a motion picture and earned her nominations for a Saturn Award and a BAFTA Award. And while it was met with mixed reviews on release, it was a box office success and won the Academy Award for Best Visual Effects, three Saturn Awards, and including a Best Direction for Ridley Scott, Best Supporting Actor for Cartwright, and a Hugo Award for Best Dramatic Presentation. Now, Davis, you said it already. Alien, talk about it. Tell us what you like. So, Alien, 1979, of course, uh, uh, unlike the other two that we're going to talk about today, is much more horror-oriented to me. 100%. Which is why it is my favorite of the three. I'm going to go ahead and say that. This is the best one to me. It's my favorite. Uh, It's inspired so many amazing things like the alien isolation game did you ever get to play that alex i never did i heard all the good things that is like i don't get scared of games but that one is like yeah i think you're playing as ripley's daughter yes yes you are and you're on like a space station and there's a xenomorph and like and there's another fun thing if you wear headphones and it'll pick it will pick up on your mic so like if it's coming if it's in the room with you and you like sneeze or something it finds you Awesome! Like it, it is. You got to play the game. I know Ooh. you have an Xbox. You should play it. Ooh! It is phenomenal. Uh, once you get rid of the alien, you just kind of have to deal with androids, which is still fun. It's just not as good. The alien's the best part. Is it so? Is it just like a one mission type thing, or is it like no, no like you have to like oh, you got to go to the medical bay to do this, and you're like you're going around the spaceship, okay. and then like the alien will show up, and you have like a flamethrower, but it's not very helpful, and you just basically you're hiding from it. You're awesome. you're playing like hide and seek the whole game. Awesome! It's terrifying. Awesome. But yeah, it's awesome. Wow. Uh, but this movie's phenomenal. Uh, there's so many great things about it. M- mostly Sigourney Weaver, I think, is the best thing about it. She's so, so talented. She's so cool. What a find, really. Yeah, and I think this really kind of was a big moment for female heroes in movies, which I feel like, yeah, that's good, obviously. Uh, and I think we got to give a lot of props to Ridley Scott and Sigourney Weaver for propping that up in 1979. And, and creating and a- she's not like She's not like a damsel in distress- the third one, they do have her have like a romantic relationship with the guy. Oh, which we're I getting did not into that, like. Davis. We, we'll get we, to we that wrote later. that down because ooh, irks. Like I just like how she's just, she's just her own thing. She's she not is. dependent on others. She's just cool. Can I say she's she's? I'll just say she's cool. I can't say the word I was gonna say. Bad something is what I was gonna say. Ah, yeah. Well, I don't we, think I can say that. We, you know, we we understand what you're. But implying. she is. She is very very bad something. She, I mean, she is like. Ripley's Man. awesome. She's Ripley's one of my favorites. awesome. She's just so cool. Which again, it, it's a it's like, a credit. Like it, it, it's, it's a credit to the screenplay for not giving her stuff that they gave her in the third film. We because we, I mean it's pretty much absent from it. And number two, I think the fact that one Sigourney Weaver's brilliant, and I and I think what makes this film and and Ripley so special is, and what makes I think you know. Talk, people talk about modern day and whatnot. The two greatest, in my opinion, female action stars of all time is Sarah Connor and Ripley. 
Like that's Ellen Ripley and Sarah Connor, one and two, two and one, whichever way you want to order it. And I think what really strikes me so much about both these films, and I drew this comparison, because I'm going to tell you a confession, Davis. I had never seen Alien it's until okay. I saw it. You'd seen Aliens, though. I had seen Aliens. I don't know how I had missed because I, I was very scared. Aliens is a different kid. movie. True. And Aliens is more is honestly more enjoyable as a younger person because it's it's more action oriented. But what I really enjoy about it is the fact that Ripley's not the star of the movie to start. She's kind of in the background. It's mainly Dallas and Kane. Ash, Kane, because John Hurt's that dude. John Hurt, great by the way, in everything. Unfortunately, his role is so limited in this movie. But he then again, he does have that one brilliant, the most scene. iconic scene from the movie, and maybe one of the most iconic scenes in sci-fi history. One thing I wanted to watch, Davis, oh, is I I pulled well, it up. Oh, go ahead. While we're on Ripley, yeah. I just want to say I think the big thing about her is not is not that she's like totally like she knows everything. She's like mowing down monsters, which she kind of does in the second one. But we'll get to that. We I think it, that. it works in the second one. The third one, not as much. Yeah, yeah. Cause you can you can you can kind of see the progression from like she's like scared a lot of the movie. Like she doesn't know what to do, but she figures it out. Yeah, like she's no ingenuity. Like, her her willpower. She figures out how to. How to survive. And I, I think it's great that she's not a robot. Like, she goes back for her cat. Like, the pressure's yeah. on and she goes back for her cat. That's just, like, a good, simple moment to also put her one-on-one with the audience and allow you to understand how terrified she is. And that's actually another interesting point. So, um, that reminds me of the character of Lambert, played by Veronica Cartwright. Cartwright had actually been in The Birds, which we did trivia on earlier, and Invasion of the Body Snatcher. But she originally read for the role of Ripley and was not informed that she had instead been cast as Lambert until she arrived on set what? for Wardrobe. She actually disliked the character's emotional weakness, but nevertheless accepted the role because she was convinced that she was the audience's fears and that mm. she was supposed to help the audience understand how terrified they are, and she ended up winning a Saturn Award for it, so ended up working out for her in the end. When I clicked on this on, on Stars, I saw a a tab that clicked Watch the Trailer, and I wanted to watch... I was like, all right, let's see what it was, and it was the original trailer for the film, and... Uh, Davis, you have to watch this trailer. Might be one of my favorite trailers I've ever seen. There's not a line of dialogue, and I don't think Good. it's just it's just scary noises and like people running. And then, of course, the very end, the greatest tagline in the history of ever, which is why the third one is so disappointing. In space, no one can hear you scream. Now that what I love about Alien is nowadays Prometheus has been made, The Martian has been made. Space is not as wonderful and as wondrous as is at. It, 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 is not as wondrous now as we know, but back then, people's exposure to this medium in sci-fi was 2001 A Space Odyssey, which was not a very popular film. So people that watched it Black Hole. I didn't see that I think much. that was... No, I think that might have been after. That was Maybe, after. Yeah. It was Black Hole by so, Disney. But then, then Star Trek and Star Wars. Very wondrous, you know, joyful. And in this, Scott utilizes those like preconceived notions and flips it. Because the truth is Terrifying. that... That space is... Freaking terrifying! Like it is. I, I almost lost myself. You almost like, like you me there. Um, I mean, it just—it's it, scary. It, it like is. there's nothing but there's nothing but like a little wall between you and your eyes coming out of your head. Madness. And I really think that that's one of the best things is that imagine seeing Star Wars for all of 1977, 1978, and then going to see Alien in 1979. Just how different it was. How totally tonally different it was from anything else that's been put out and completely changed. All of it. And again, I think it's incredible. I think the fact that it's not, it is a hour and 56 minute movie, but it's not simple. It's not a very simple, there's a lot going on in this plot that unravels and no scene is wasted. Mm-hmm. 
every scene serves a purpose. There is some bad audio, I will say. There was like a really bad scene of ADR where Ripley's talking to the yeah. mechanics, and it was like unintelligible. And I'm like, what? But that's 1979. It's okay. Stuff happened when, hey, they were filming on actual film back. They yes. went digital, so we give them better. All the handheld shots were Ridley Scott himself filming them as well, which is like not too out of the ordinary, but like still pretty cool. Still pretty good. And I mean, it's just, man. I love this movie I, because one, I like I like horror movies where it's more like I like when you can't really see them. Like Blair Witch is like the far end of the spectrum, where it's kind of bad that you don't see it or really. I don't think it's really not there at all. The Blair Witch that is. Whereas like slashers, well, like yeah, and then like Jason, you see him the whole time. There's like two, and then in the middle is Alien. Like there's an alien on this ship, and you will see it, but you will not see it well, which makes it even scarier. I I agree one hundred percent. It 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 it. This film um attends the Jaws school of monster movie making, which, of course, with Jaws, we've talked about before, however unintentional it was, the fact that you never see the shark until the very end in mm-hmm. full is one of the greatest. You don't really ever see the alien in full unless until it gets, like, blown out the airlock on the... Exactly. You don't you don't see it until it stands up to kill Lambert and the other guy. I can't remember his name, unfortunately. But that that's a great point. It's just... It's so... Gosh, and the cast is so strong. What a what a st- had Harry Dean Stanton, who's phenomenal. Wait, wait, who is he again? He plays the mechanic that he's the first guy to die. Oh yeah, he was. Well, I guess besides besides Kane. I mean, it really. I think this this Harry is Dean against- Stanton is in um, Paris, Texas, which is supposed to be phenomenal. Interesting. I think it's a testament to Scott and the rest of his casting crew because when you're having a film with such a limited cast, you almost can't have a wink link, right? Because you, you can't hide it behind. These gigantic casts. Marvel almost does the opposite because they have so many characters now that it's like if somebody's not great, you can hide behind the other great performances. But with this, every single choice was great. Ian Holmes' Ash was brilliant, by the way. I loved how he gave little hints here and there that something else was nefariously going on, but it wasn't clear what was going on. You know what I mean? And I also think that on top of that, a few weeks ago, Davis, I criticized Iron Man 3 for having too many twists. If you may remember, and this film has a lot, but I think every single twist ex- is executed perfectly from the fact that, you know, Ash is always doing something nefarious. That much is clear. Like when Ripley says, don't let them in, and Ash just does, you're like, hmm. Or the way that he's studying it, he almost seems excited about certain things. He just acts weird. But then the reveal he's an android is completely out of left field. Like that's never hinted at, really. None, yes. of, the, none, of, the, none of the crew Which, even yeah. knew it. Like that's a brilliant second layer twist to the fact that he was the bad guy, and I'll say this. The visual effects department, give them every award. The scene when they plug Ash back in, and it's his head detached speaking. You can, like, I like how you can tell how they did that. He just His head was just through a oh, table, yeah. but still, it's awesome. It's still, it's awesome. And, and I think, I think, hey, you man. Can, I also, you, like, you can tell from when it goes from, like, the mold oh, to yeah. him. But, like, and you it know doesn't what? matter. I don't care, because it's awesome. And the movie costs $11 million, and it looks great. Hey, let's live on the show write my letterboxed review. It has to be just like one. <laughs> it's usually just like one line, something funny. Let's let's brainstorm real quick while we're talking. All right. Keep it uh, in the back of your mind. Exactly. We'll, we'll, we'll be thinking. We'll be thinking. Maybe, maybe we'll cover some topics that get you, uh, get you on your mind here, Davis. Do you want to know what some, of the, what some of the critical reviews for this film had to say? So Roger Ebert actually uh, reviewed this on Sneak Previews. He and Gene Siskel reviewed oh, I got it together. One. I would have hit Ash with a baseball back the second he the second he opened that door. What do you think of that? <laughs> That's good. Yeah, I like it. it. So in sneak previews, Siskel and Ebert gave the film two yes votes. Ebert called it. It is Roger Ebert, right? That's yes. how you say it. 
one of the scariest old-fashioned space operas I can remember. Siskel agreed that it was scary, but said it was basically a haunted house film set in a spaceship and was not the greatest science fiction film ever made. I mean, it's up there. Is it not up there? I think it's up there. I mean, it's my horror movie. I mean, horror movie is up there with The Thing, which is might be my favorite. I think Alien might be top three, if you want, if you are curious. Since today is technically the day before Halloween. Ah. Okay, give me a quick top three of your horror movies right now. Top three horror off movies? The dome. Uh, off the Dome. Honestly, Alien is definitely up there. I really like the original Halloween. Mm-hmm. And, oh, Hereditary. Oh, wow. I like Hereditary a lot, but I'm going to go Thing, Alien. The thing, I for- Thing. No, no, it's binding. You got to get no. the tattoos on you now. The I thing, want another John Carpenter movie. Thing, uh, Alien, and I'm going to say The Descent. I haven't which seen I'm it, not so. saying it's the best. I just really like The Descent. The Descent's fun. It's kind of more action y, but it's still horror. It's fun. I like The Descent. There you go, Davis. Very nice. Very nice indeed. So, this film also was listed as one of the greatest sci fi, science fiction, and horror films of all time. Okay, how about it was deemed this? culturally significant by the Library of Congress. What do you got for I would have hit that automaton ash with a baseball bat the second he opened that dang door. Brilliant. I like it, Davis. All right. It's posted. It's live. Wow. Well, do it live. Now I got to do alien aliens. Well, we'll get, th- we'll get we'll there. Get there. Davis. We'll, we'll write my other one live on the show. Once we get there. I agree. And one thing I really like as well is the fact that, oh my gosh, I just, it's all so good. It's all so tightly wound and done well. And then, of course, the final twist that it's on the ship with Ripley as well. I love how the film almost lulls you to sleep with some music from Goldsmith, putting the cat away, and then boom. It's just there. there. It's laying there. And I love how- I saw a fun fact that they built the like escape pod, when they were designing the escape pod, how it looks on the inside, they were designing it so you could hide, like, design it around an alien hiding in there. Really? So Because, like, when you see this laying there, you don't really see it, and then it moves. You're like, oh, my God. Yeah, awesome. So they designed it so, like, they just had it laying, and then they're like, we'll design it so you can't really see it. And, again, I think I think cool. one of one of the best things is the fact that the score can be so absent. I mean, the scenes that are the most stressful when there's no noise but the vacuum of space and the mm. ship creaking. I love how the aesthetic is so different. I want to say how um, how amazing all the tech looks, which is, it's like analog kind of. The whole room of, with Mother is awesome. Yes. Everything looks so cool. It's kind of like old and it's like it's like 70s because obviously it was made in the 70s because they were they weren't gonna have super futuristic stuff but it's like it's like all analog all kind of like vhs aesthetic type stuff it's really cool i agree davis uh, if you could keep talking a bit more i'm actually reading into something right now Uh, so um, come on now uh, davis you loved this movie uh, so uh, much i said i'll speak on the aesthetic and the set design is just amazing it's so cool all the it's kind of like it's just uh, all the set design for like where Harry Dean Stanton gets got, where he was looking like the the vehicle bear, whatever it was, just looks so cool. It's all kind of like operatic, if that's a word, kind of like an opera. That's what Ebert said. It's just cool. But I said this and the thing are my faves for aesthetic and style, because like you know, seventies, eighties horror movie. It's just like it's not even that it's sleek. It's kind of like gritty, and it's like sort of low budget, but like it looks so good. Davis, yes. this is a story that you've probably okay. heard. I, I agree with that. Oh, I'm glad. I, I, I agree, I I agree with say. all that. It's low budget, but it looks brilliant. Everything does. Uh, I think the fact that, one, I wrote this down, and I'll say this right now, um, small miniatures put on a black screen, still the greatest way any sci-fi movie ever looks. Like The fact that Rogue One kind of brought that back, I really, really enjoyed that. But Davis, obviously we got to talk about the most iconic scene, the chestburster scene. Mm-hmm. 
Have you heard the story behind that? Uh, if you start it, I might know. But well, the not. story is that none of the actors actually knew what was going to happen in that scene. Oh, I think I have heard. So that. according all to Sig- according to real. Sigourney Weaver, all it said in the script was this thing emerges. Meanwhile, John Hurt was in makeup for four hours prepping, and the cast was just sitting waiting for him. Ridley Scott said, and uh, let's see if I can find the quote right here. Prosthetics in those days weren't that good. I figured the best thing to do was to get stuff from a butcher shop and a fishmonger. On the morning we had them examining the face hugger, that was clams, oysters, and seafood. Good Lord. That sounds gross. We had an artificial chest screwed to the table. John was underneath. It was, it was an illusion. His neck was attached to his body. Yeah, I could kind of tell that, honestly. Ridley didn't tell the cast. He said they're just going to see it. And, I mean, it ends up being one of the best scenes ever because it is absolutely grotesque, by the yes. way. And it's, it's just terrifying. like, body horror to the max. That's why the thing's so scary, too. Exactly It just same looks way. amazing, but it's I, terrifying. I agree with oh, I'm going to watch the thing later. Hey, so um, this is actually a question I had. Um, why do you think, towards the end of the movie, why do you think uh, after Ripley found her friends dead, she went to try and shut down the self-destruct sequence? Because, like... It was already going on. Like, why, why turn it off if you're you're the only one left? I guess she wanted to live. Well, yeah, but I mean, she was gonna get in the escape pod anyway. Maybe it was just like panic, thinking that she needed more time to like plan or whatever. I'm trying to, I'm trying to think. Do you remember? Cause she she hears them yelling, so she cause she starts up the struck sequence, and she hears it. She goes to see them. She sees that the aliens killed them both. Then she runs to try and stop, but the self destruct. Well, it would have self destructed with her on it. Is why she stopped. Because it was down to like two or something. No, no, no. Because it was. It says. When there's five minutes left, you cannot reverse it. So she had to go stop before it reversed. But then there was so like they already planned know. for that. Yeah, I, I thought it was because she just sort of panicked. But it might be. I don't know. I have to. I need to see that that bit again. I did watch it the other day. I just wanna. I just don't really remember that. No, part. I know. I know. Also, I really love going down to the planet and seeing like the gigantic ship and the gigantic alien. That thing. I again, I, you know, I'd never seen this, but I was like, whoa. Honestly, it makes me more intrigued to see Prometheus. Prometheus is actually kind of cool. It has Idris Elba. Love it, Gisella. It uh, has Michael Fassbender. It does have Michael Fassbender, who shows up in Covenant. I, I heard again. about that. Do you sh- you want to talk about? You want to give it a little rundown? No, no, no. We we got three movies to talk about. Today. Well, I mean, I can just like a quick rundown on the aliens because in Prometheus, the engineers like make the proto or they like make humanity, and then there's like the neomorphs or whatever they're called. It's like the proto xenomorph. But then David Michael Fassbender's character finds. The first xenomorphs, and then in Covenant, he like he basically makes the xenomorphs. It, oh, which I don't really like that much. Mm. So like That's... he like he like engineers them to be like the perfect killing machine because he's Man. like infatuated with them or something. I don't know. Don't need to go. I haven't seen it in a while. That, 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 and the... he also meets Michael Fassbender meets another droid of himself and they kiss. Weird. It was movie. an interesting scene, and interesting he plays movie, the flute. Man. Which that was actually a good scene. I like that scene. Oh, interesting. I, I will seen say, I, saw, um, I remember we snuck into the theater to see that one actually. Oh, good lord! Underage. Dave is out here admitting crime on the air. That is a danger. Uh, that is a danger of maybe over-explaining something like giving a prequel. And I'll say one last thing, Dave, before we go on here. I really, really liked the final scene with Ash, where he, he was like, "I can't lie to you about your chances, but you have my sympathies." And then Ripley just kicks him off or whatever. But anyway, Alien, probably one of the best ever made. What are our thought? What are our ratings, Davis? I'm giving this like a nine. I'd give it a or nine. Four and a half on. On the letterbox. Honestly, I might give it a five. I might give it a ten, Davis. I mean, okay. The thing is, I'd give it. I'd know. give it a nine point five. But out of the five, out of the f- one to I'll five, stick with four and a half for now. 
I don't know. I feel like I could give it a five. Though. I think I'm going to give it a five, man. I, I, I might loved change it. You said that. I loved this movie so much. Everything was so good. The fact that it took so many things to kill it at the end, opening the door didn't even do it. Awesome. Awesome movie. And with that, Davis, I think it's time to move on to the next one. I already Here's my Aliens review. Aliens. Bill Paxton's Game Over, man! Is going to be in the remix of the "My Life Is Like a Video Game" song. You know that one. <laughs> That's yeah. I My life I... is like a video game. That one. I believe I do, Davis. That's so stupid. <laughs> what do you mean? It's not a good song. Well, it sounds pretty funny though. I'll say that. I mean, it's funny. Oh no! I accidentally, I accidentally ranked it as three and a half. My what? fault, Davis. That is your well. Who else's fault would it be? Anyway, oh, on Alex. to Aliens Two, oh, starring Sigourney Weaver again as Ellen Ripley. Michael Bean, love Michael Bean by the way, as Dwayne Hicks, the corporal. Paul Reiser, love him as Carter J. Burke. Lance Henriksen as Bishop. Kari Hen as Rebecca Newt Jordan. Bill Paxton as Hudson. William Hope as Gorman. Rico Ross as Frost. Al Matthews as Apone. The the Colonel Colonel Marine Colonials. What Colonial be? Marines. Colonial Marine cast includes Privates Vasquez, start played by Janet Goldstein. Drake played by Mark Ralstein. Smugmeyer played by Daniel Cash. Crow played by Tip Tipping. And Wierzbowski, played by Trevor Steedman. And Corporals Dietrich, played by Cynthia Dale Scott. And Farrell, played by Colette Hilaire. James Cameron wrote and directed this film by himself, with David Giller and Walter Hill contributing to the story, each with very little in terms of career credits, nothing really of note outside of this film. As for cinematography, by Adrian Biddle, Van Lint was asked back, but upon declining, he recommended his protege, Adrian Biddle. And this was Biddle's first film ever. In cinematography, but he followed it up with Thelma and Louise, The Mummy and the Mummy Returns, oh. Judge Dredd, and V for Vendetta. Wrong before, side of the river! Before, okay, we're good, we're good. Before Biddle Billy passed away it, yeah. after, or passed away before V for Vendetta was released. V for Vendetta, great movie, by the way, Davis. Um, I would like to say two things about Aliens. Uh, one little quick anecdote about the making of Aliens. Are, were you going to get to it, about how James Cameron proposed it? Go ahead, Dave. Have you heard that? Um, uh, Maybe. So, Aliens is directed by James Cameron, and there's a story about how he proposed it to the studio execs, is that he walked into a room, and he wrote Alien on a whiteboard. Obviously, the first movie's named Alien. And he wrote, and he made it plural by writing a dollar sign to make Aliens. And they were like, we're, we're, that's it, we're on board, make it, we're greenlit, we're making James it. James Cameron also said he was on drugs when he came up with the plot for Terminator 2, so... He's such a cool guy. Hey, Amen. So cool. <laughs> Not as cool as John Carpenter. John Carpenter rules. John Carpenter is that He's like dude. playing video games. He's so cool. He's, <laughs> He's like, like, I, they I made really, another like, Halloween movie? I guess I got money. Like, yeah, yeah, I don't care. So I love John Carpenter. Awesome. He's so, I would kick him with awesome. John Carpenter. What else were you going to say? Was, was that the was that the Vasquez. Film? Vasquez. Played by Jeanette Goldstein. Jeanette. Sorry, Jeanette. You might, you might be able to see a, a discrepancy in the names there. Uh, Jeanette Goldstein is a white lady who... who John, Jeanette Goldstein is a white lady who tanned herself with like spray tans to look Latino, Latina rather, Latinx, I guess I could also say, uh, and was just doing like the cholo voice the whole time. She's like, hey, Holmes. Uh, yeah, she she went into the, she was like, oh, I know how to get this role because she wasn't, she didn't, she, fig- she didn't figure, that was like the only female role and she yeah. wanted it. So that's how she got it. She's also in Terminator 2. She is. Yes. I don't know who she is in that. But she is in that movie. This one, very controversial film, Davis. There was, in fact, an article on Comic Book Resources, uh, the place that I worked at over the, over the summer, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. about this, and about how this film and Terminator 2 killed two incredible franchises, which is a very hot take. I, I'll let you say a thing, and then I have a take on that. So, take on that take. 
First of all, let's finish up. Edited by Ray Lovejoy and James Horner back to produce the music instead of uh, Jerry Goldsmith. But Horner worked with James Cameron on Titanic and on Avatar, and I was on so many great movies. Horner's one of the best in the biz, truly. I think this film, it's good, but looking at how it is compared to the first one, there is no comparison, in my opinion. It's a good movie on its own, but if you're going to stack them up next to each other, one that demolishes the other. And it's you see it in the opening shot, Davis. One of the most one of the most interesting things that I saw when it opens is we see the vacuum of space again. We're supposed to be scared, but space is more colorful than it was last time. Noted. One of the great things in Alien was the absence of color. Period. And the only color there really was was the, the mother box, not mother box, the box that where you saw mother. And that was almost haunting because it was such a jar from the regular color that we saw elsewhere. So the space is blue. It's more colorful. It's more of an action film than it, than the rest of the films. And I think the series has been trying to figure out where it wants to go after that, which is why it sort of falls apart, and which is why people say that. Terminator, on the other hand, I don't really agree with that. I think I think that was a more more gradual expectation, whereas Aliens does take that leap. I think Aliens, while still a good movie in my opinion, uh, I quite like it still. Uh, kind of takes it in a different direction it goes from horror which is basically the first one to more action more blockbuster like blockbuster action which is okay and, and for it, this and one because it's a good movie it's james cameron so it's not like it's bad action by the way and like, there's still horror elements yeah but i think i think you know i, I would agree keep going davis that's all because yeah. i i think i think you make a good point in the fact that like yeah it's blockbuster but like if again you're viewing this as pure blockbuster action i mean it's a top five blockbuster action movie maybe ever just because how good james cameron is at doing that like mm. there's a reason terminator 2 is awesome a lot of people don't like it though because and i noticed that a lot more it's just a whole different vibe a whole different tone the whole way through yes it even even the the characters themselves are more cartoony than the than the original they're they're a bit more comedic it's a bit funnier it kind of keeps the same themes as the first one like big corporation doesn't care about you, which is a big theme of the first one. And then Paul Reiser's character kind of Burke. I hate Burke. Yeah, he 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 Scum embodies the earth, that theme Burke. as a character. And Truly does. Because you're you're kind of like, oh, he's kind of nice, but he's like sleazy. He is so sleazy. I would agree. And we talked about it being a blockbuster, a true summer blockbuster. That with that July eighteenth, nineteen eighty six release, a lot longer. One of the longest films of the series with two hours and seventeen minutes, and on a slightly larger budget, eighteen point five million dollars, which it looks pretty good despite still having such a small budget and a bigger cast. It grossed a nice range of one hundred thirty-one to one hundred eighty-three point three million, the seventh highest grossing film in the U.S. in nineteen eighty-six. And award season was a big one. Two awards for best sound effects editing and best visual effects. Stan Winston was involved with the prosthetics. Stan Winston known for. Stuff as the Terminator, as well as the dinosaurs in Jurassic Park. Stan Winston is that dude in, mm. in terms of the visual effects industry. Weaver was also nominated for Best Actress, but lost to Marley Matlin for a romantic film, Children of a Lesser God. Never never heard of that Interesting. One. Weaver was also the first Best Actress nomination given for a science fiction film at the time when the genre was given little respect, and it remained a rarity today. It also received four more nominations, Best Original Score for Horner, Best Art Direction for Peter Lamont, Best Editing in general, and Best Sound. And at the 44th Golden Globes, Weaver got a nomination for Best Actress as well. So, with all that in mind, I think it... I think Horner is still really good. I think there's a bit more music than in Alien, which therefore the vacuum of space is not as emphasized, and the xenomorphs do become more cannon fodder. However, in fairness, 
one could say it's it's a technical jump because well, who's to say what happens if the Nostromo had guns in the first film? You know, like who is to say? Because that that's kind of what like what happens when, but it does it does reach the point where honestly the military didn't lose; they were just uh, outmanned. Yeah. Like like if they had fifty Marines just gunning these dudes down, it would have been a wrap. But since they only had 12 of them and got caught by surprise, they kind of got got. Yeah. But, like, I mean, they run through them pretty much. And the main, like, way that they level the playing field is the acid blood, I guess, which, yeah, that that and that's also something the movie doesn't really touch on ever again. Or much of the series does. But I don't know, man. It's it's divisive, Davis. You, you look like you're kind of waffling back and forth over there. I mean, I like this movie. Uh, I think the Marines are pretty fun. I, I prefer Alien more as a horror thing. That's why I like Alien Isolation so much. Because, like, you can get a gun, I think, if I remember right. But, like, it's not helping you that much because you only have so many bullets. And you want to save those for, like, when she when the Xenomorphs like right at you. or something, too. Oh, yeah, There's true. androids out there, too. So you, I'd prefer if you could sneak around. Like, that's why I love Alien 1 so much more. But the, the the characters are fun. Like, the sergeant, like, right when he wakes up from Crossley, he puts the cigar in immediately. He's like, get up, uh, kids. Awesome. Yeah, like, it, it's just it's just it's a fun movie. It it is still very fun. Plus, I think we Sigourney Weaver takes a major step forward. Her scenes with Newt are top tier. Yeah, and then I mean, when it's scary, like when the two face huggers are in the room with Newt and Sigourney Weaver. Yeah, Paul Reiser did that. Yeah, because he's Burke. terrible. Hate Burke. Annoying. And this corporation just really wants those xenomorphs, man. They do. I could have picture a few organizations that would do that. Corporations that would do that. Uh oh, Davis. Don't, 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 get, say it. don't get us in trouble right there. Don't, don't get us in trouble. Roger Ebert called the last hour painfully, unremittingly intense in horror and action, leaving him emotionally drained and unhappy. <laughs> Ebert believed it could not be defined as entertainment despite his admiration of the filmmaking craft on display. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I kind of get what he's getting at. Like, when she comes out the elevator and the ship is just gone, like, you're like, oh. Just, like, your, and then your the heart queen's dropped. also there. Yes, yeah, like, it went up the elevator. And then it's there again and rips Bishop in half. Crazy. Great prosthetics, by the way, yeah. again. I liked, I also liked how it kind of played on your, you're like, oh, we should not trust Android because we know Ash, but Bishop's actually cool. Bishop's awesome. Yeah, Bishop's cool. Love and he's Bishop. in the third one, too. He is, sort of. Kind of. Depends on how you view that. I really think it's just, I really think one of my favorite things is the opening when they come into the compound it's just like deserting. You're just like, man, yeah. the Zen- like this is what would happen if there were multiple xenomorphs in a, f- a ship like the Nostromo and and whatnot. I do think it's it's a little frustrating how reckless like the military is and the fact that like they does nobody really believe her. Like an entire colony went silent. They still don't like. They're not like taking any. Or like the fact that. Um, the the ship that eventually gets taken down by Xenomorph was just sitting there with its door open, despite mm-hmm. the fact that they're on a hostile planet. Like really? Yeah. I don't know, but I I think I think there's a lot of. Oh, here's an idea. Here's the question I had. Um, do you think that Ripley's ship was intentionally let to pass through the system? Because remember, she's in hypersleep for 50 years because just happened to. Do you think it's because the corporation knew what information she had and just let her fly through? She just happened to be found later on. Maybe. 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 I'd buy into that. Because William Dutani's terrible, Yeah. by the way. They're awful people. Yeah. Really terrible corporation. But I, that was a thought that I had when I was watching the film. And then the end, I can't say the line, but the get away from her, you word. Put it on a shirt, Davis. Do it. It probably I'd already it. is. I'd wear it. I just... What do you, what are you ranking? What are you ranking this? I don't know. I feel like there's more to say. Is there more? 
I don't know. It's just we do I, have to get to Alien Three. I know we got time though, Dave. I know. I just like to get out of here earlier than five. I don't know, man. Frankly, I I didn't write down as much. I guess there there's not as much depth there is there because it's just a lot of really great action. Yeah, it's I mean it's of, like like Alien One's more nuanced. It's kind of more psychological, but this is just like shoot the aliens. There's a kid here. Kid, I, I will well, I think say, the kid did well, by the way. I agree. I, I think she does great. I'm really confused on how they like lock themselves in that compound and account for everything, but not the ceiling and the floors. Like they're like they couldn't have gotten in. We stopped everything, but like maybe they just didn't think of it. They're aliens, my guy. I don't know what you want. What you want? What you want me to do with that? I also thought Michael Bean was really good. Which one was Michael Bean? He's a Hicks. <clears throat> oh yeah, 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 yeah. He's the one that that survived. And for example, the flirtation between him and Ripley is a lot better than it ends than what we get in in the third film because this is almost just an admiration they have for each other and the fact that he believes her, he understands what's coming and what's going to happen. But I just really also, what about the fact that do you how much do you think it was conspiracy like the fact that Gorman, the captain, was this was his first ever drop basically? Do you think that was a Wayland Utani conspiracy to put an inexperienced guy in charge? It could I, so I mean, Burke could easily yeah. manipulate him. I'm sure. Yeah, I mean that that would make sense. I think I rate this one on the one to five scale. I give it a four. It's a four. Yeah. Now again, I'll say this one last time. If you're comparing it to the original, major major decline in my opinion. However. I think the film itself is a very good, very well-done action film that does a lot of things right. It's fun. It's, again, the last hour, it is kind of exhausting, but it's also just good. Prometheus kind of gets back to the original, like, alien, like, spooky. Terrifying the heck out of you. Yeah, but you're not in, like, a cramped ship. They're on a planet. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, I guess they are, right, because they go to the, to the planet. I remember the scene where, like, he's checking his eye and there's something in it, and he's, like, he, like, goes crazy in the spacesuit. I... It genuinely kind of freaked me out when I watched it when I was younger. Whoa. I may have to I'm, watch I may watch that tonight. After after we're done here, I might go home and watch that. Hey, man. I mean, maybe. I'm going to have to give it a shot. I don't know. I heard so many bad things about it. Maybe I'll, it like, it's not as good as Alien, but like, and it, you could say it's unnecessary, but like. It's if it's of, a good movie, it's a good movie. It's fun. Yeah. It's fun. I, I recall kind of enjoying it. If you, if you enjoy it, you enjoy it. And then that, that, that's the way. There's that's some cool the scenes. That's the way it works. You also give it a four, Davis? Yeah, I said four. And I, I will say, um, lastly. I don't think it ruined the franchise. I think the franchise no. ruined itself. Yeah. I'll, and we'll, I think we'll, with Alien Resurrection is probably the big one that ruined it. Or, and then when they did AVP, which, well. Yeah. I've heard that's kind of fun, though. Well, it, it's it's difficult because, again, the problem is Alien 3, for all of its flaws, and we'll get to this in a second, explains a way why they can't destroy it. But then in Alien vs. Predator, how does the how does the Predator lose? If if the Marines are just mowing these guys down, how does a predator lose one on one? I think it made them look kind of weak with the fact that the bullets were just kind of messing them up. Mm, yeah, I don't know, I don't know at all. Also, I will say, uh, just one last thing: Sigourney Weaver again, so good Love in this Sigourney film. Weaver. She's great. And now, Davis, let's move on to Alien Three because we we've really said a lot we can say about those first two films in a nutshell alien 3 the weakest of the 3 the weakest of the 3 by far also i've got a little note on alien resurrection i don't know if you watched anything about it i, wa- I did watch something about did it did you watch the uh, kill count no oh. i watched a thing about like the timeline of alien how they like made a a clone of ripley oh, we're with a xenomorph or whatever some stupid some awful so alien 3 alien cubed mm-hmm. Because, Davis, we talked about it, Alien 3 with maybe the worst tagline in the history of film after an amazing movie like Alien has in space, no one can hear you scream. Alien Cubed has three times the suspense, three times the danger, three times the terror. Boring. 
What an awful! I want. Does aliens have a have a tagline? Yes, I don't. I don't think I liked his tagline either. Fair, to be fair, aliens tagline. Let's see what we got here. I don't look at some. This time, there's more. Yeah. This time, it's war. Yeah, there yeah. are some places in the universe you don't want. You don't go alone. Nope. Bad. That's pretty bad. Bad. Again, they wanted to. They wanted to emulate I don't think that. You in need a tagline for unless like, it's as good as in Frank, space. No to one be can fair. No, I don't think movies need a tagline in general. True, but I mean, if it's a good one, like imagine it feels like 1917, <laughs> one shot to win the war, something like that. There's there's one for you <laughs> off the dome. <laughs> off the dome, Davis. Very nice. Like they, that didn't. That, they wouldn't need that. True, but I mean, if it's good, if it's in space, no one can hear you scream. That's. I mean, like yeah, that's good, but like this time there's more. No, that this time it's. War? Oh my God! Why? Well, just don't do one. <laughs> However, Davis, I'm sure they were in the boardroom. Three like, times I got the one. Suspense. That was worse. That's the worst. Three one. times the danger. Three, Three times, times the, the terror. terror. Oh, Alien man. cubed, starring Sigourney Weaver as Ellen Ripley, reprising her role from the previous two Alien films. Ripley crash land. Oh, there's nothing. Weaver approved of David. Toei's work and signed on, but demanded a larger salary of four to five million dollars plus co-producing credits. She also requested the action was not to rely on guns. Interesting request from Sigourney Weaver there. Charles S. Dutton as Leonard Dillon. Charles Dance as Jonathan Clemens, a former inmate who now serves the facility's doctor. Brian Glover as Harold Andrews, the prison warden. Ralph Brown as Francis Aaron, the assistant of the superintendent Andrews. Paul McGann as Walter Golick. Danny Webb as Robert Morse, Lance Henriksen as the voice of the damaged Bishop Android, as well as playing a character credited as Bishop 2, who appears in the film's final scenes, claiming to be a human designer of the android, who wants the alien queen that was growing inside of Ripley to use for Wayland Yutani's bioweapons division. And they get um, it, somehow. Oh, God. They do, don't they? Yeah, in Re- Resurrections, they get it, but she jumped into, like, lava, basically. So how did they... I don't know. Tom Woodruff Jr. as the alien known as Dragon. This alien is different from the ones in previous installments. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. I want to explain that. Quadruped. I want to explain that. Go ahead. So, this is some aliens lore for you. Just alien xenomorph lore for you. So, the alien, or the face hugger, it will la- whatever organism it latches onto. So, you, the alien we see in Alien and Aliens looks like that because it latched onto a human. So, it's kind of humanoid. Walks on two legs. Interesting. So whatever animal they latch onto, the the xenomorph will be like part of whatever. It latch. So the dog, it's a quadruped because it latched onto that dog. Interesting. So if they latched onto like a bull, it'd be like a Whoa. bull xenomorph. It'd be stuff. awesome. Yeah. Be gigantic. That's that's just how like I guess like maybe you could say fifty percent of the DNA because it's yeah because it's sharing out. it. That's yeah. that's that that is. So I always cool. thought that was a cool cool bit of lore. That com- came from this movie. That's very very interesting. I I really did like that shift. That was that was a shift. Where I was like, hey man, creativity. Yeah. Good for y'all. Good for y'all on that one. A lot of other people in the cast don't really feel like mentioning Daniel Danielle a. Edmund as, re, as played Newt because Carrie Hen uh, actually was too old because she couldn't reply. So they had Eamon basically sit in there for that one autopsy scene. Directed by David Fincher, his first fi- feature film, but he has since disowned it, citing studio interference and deadlines. In 2003, a revised version of the film known as The Assembly Cut was released without Fincher's involvement and received a warmer reception. It was written by David Giller, Walter Hill, and Larry Ferguson. Ferguson also wrote Hunt for Red October and Beverly Hills Cop. <coughs> Cinematography by Alex Thompson, edited by Terry Rawlings, and the worst score of the three by Elliot Goldenthal doesn't really fit the vibe the film was going for, in my opinion, at all. 
and it started the summer blockbuster with a May 22nd, 1992 release. Shorter like the first film, with an hour and 54 minutes, the shortest of the trilogy, and the largest budget of the trilogy between 50 to 60 million, and the smallest box office yield of the trilogy is 159 million. So there you go. And as for award season, it was nominated for Best Visual Effects, nominated for seven Saturn Awards, and a MTV Movie Award for Best Action Sequence. So definitely a step down from where the previous two yeah. films had been critically, commercially, every kind of way. Davis, this movie, one, it feels very, like, very tropey in the, oh, that character in horror movies that everything bad keeps, like, really, her pod. If you think about it, this is all happening in, like, the span of a week for Ripley. Exactly. Like, oh, She's really, the, crazy. the pod that she was in has to get ejected because there was somehow an egg on board. Yeah, I don't know how. And... Then Hicks and Newt both die. Like really, that that's like almost in too much. Like, I like Hicks, I like him too. I wish he was in this. It would it would have fit. You know, like he's like has to like get this ragtag group of prisoners like in shape or whatever to yeah. fight the alien. I would have liked. It would have been cool. Maybe. What I don't. know. I feel like this movie has the like. You can tell it could be really good, but you can tell that it also they just missed the mark. I, like I David, I, th- I I trust David Fincher enough that I think this could have been really good, and I believe him when he says "studio interfere." Because like, there's moments I'm like, "Oh wow, this is dope." And there's the moments where you're like, Ugh. "Yeah, like, like, like Charles Dance's character." So we talked about this. So Ripley actually has romance in this. Oh my god! In this, and it sucks. Yeah, that, that she did not she need to actually happen. so to be the in the maybe the most anti-strong female character scene of all time. She. Well, she gets physical with with with, it, with a male counterpart in order to avoid answering a question, and he, they both recognize that. What, Davis? You you look disappointed. You're not even looking at me right now. I don't have anything to say about that. I feel like I've expressed my my dis my my disappointment in the movie in the film that they decided they stooped to the level of having needing a romantic scene. In oh, this and, and, and it doesn't even fit. It's barely romantic. Yeah, I like, again, I like looked away from the screen for one second, and, and that like, happens. What the? Yeah, I can say that, man. Hey, man. Hey, man. I don't know. I don't know about that what one. What the she, heck? There you go, Davis. There you go. And all I gotta say about this as well is the fact that I think it's frustrating because Charles Dance is one a really good actor, and I think his character has some good moments, like the lore about oh, how when he got he, killed. That was that was a good moment. <laughs> Not even like a, oh, I want him to die, but like it was like tense. Like he got wrapped up in the in the like the 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 curtain, and then the the alien like comes up right up to her face. Absolutely, and I think like even then him explaining why he's in jail, how he ended up killing like like Charles Dance, great that's a great scene. But again, there's just scenes like that that are so uneven with the rest of the movie that just feels so absurd and just oh my gosh, I really really didn't like it actually like at all. I just thought it again. It felt unnecessary. It felt like it didn't. The movie did not need to keep going here. Like I felt like a lot of the time, like they were just kind of casual with the fact that there's an alien on the loose. They were just like, "Well, let's just go walk around and make our plan." Like, yeah, just strolling around through the corridors. I just felt like I, they, I, they, they they didn't feel they didn't show the gravity of the alien. I agree 100. percent I thought the cast, while strong in some instances, was kind of on the weaker side compared to. Uh, just previous films. I really just, ugh, just, just boring. Honestly, Roger Ebert and Gene Siskel reviewed it again on their show at the movies. 
giving it two thumbs down, feeling it was repetitious, and they criticized the drawn-out chase scenes near the end, as well as the lack of suspenseful action, although they praised the art direction and Weave's performance. In his review of Alien Resurrection, Ebert later wrote, I lost interest in Alien 3 when I realized that the aliens could at all times outrun and outleap the humans, so all the chase scenes were contrivances. He also would later state that in his review of Fight Club, he considered Alien 3 one of the best-looking bad movies I've ever seen. Which, yeah, that's Fincher that for you. good, yeah. However, the v- like the fact that it almost is like MCU-esque where the VFX for Alien 3 is by far the worst oh, of yeah. the three. Like some of the CGI. Well, yeah, they, were, they were trying to show it moving around a lot more and like more new. Some of the CGI. Like Davis. running on the ceilings and stuff. Holy like, In the cow. first two, all you see is just like. Bits and pieces. Yeah, you don't see a full shot. But man, the Davis, I mean, are you kidding me? Looks pretty bad. It was in 92 as well. Well, yeah, but so, so the original was in 79. Don't do it if you don't have the capabilities. I thought it looked awful. Some of it was so uncanny. No, it didn't look good. Like, it, like just, ugh. The scenes of it when it was actually a puppet looked Awesome. Good. Yeah, because of course it did. But, like, the scene when it was, like, somebody eating something, but it was just CG for no reason. It reminded me of the thing when they just CGI'd something for no, like, we, they've done it with practical effects before. That's possible. That's been done. We've seen it done. I just really, I really did not like any, any, like, it's just so, just, like, the beginning with the, like, I love how each movie chose their color, like, Mm -hmm. Alien is gray, Aliens is blue, and this one immediately, the shot of space is orange for no reason, I'm like, why? Like, what? The first half of the movie I was actually kind of in on, I was like, this is kind of good. I wasn't, because the opening, with, like, a bunch of random flashes of sort of an egg hatching, I'm like, what is happening? It's so incoherent. But, like, that scene where they were doing the funeral for Newt and Hick, and then, like, it had the shot of, like, her her eyes crossfading, I was like, it's kind of cool. And and, and the parallel between death and then the alien popping out of there, which was gross, but... Yes. Of the dog. Disgusting. Disgusting. Yeah. Uh, I'm probably going to do this one... Oh, one last thing, okay, Davis. One, last one thing. of the worst scenes I've ever seen in the movie, and which is why I don't have faith in the assembly cut, because as you know, there is that really, really, very honestly terrifying scene where Ripley is almost assaulted. Yes. And Oh, and the guy that does it is actually the guy from Mindhunter. Exactly. And in the assembly cut, he has a redemption arc. Oh, Lord. He got, I thought he got killed right then and there. Uh, But he just sort of, yeah, you, I believe so. But in the assembly cut, he... uh. Redeems himself and sacrifices himself uh, to fix his ish- his problem. Which let me just say this, ladies what and gentlemen. What a nineties um, movie thing. Yeah, uh, characters that go to do that to a person, assault to to commit sexual assault to yes. somebody. Yeah. Uh, nope. We don't there's, need redemption. There's not really a. There's not really a. Mm-mm, mm-mm. I would che- if I, if I saw the movie and he died, I would have cheered. I'm not gonna lie, but that I scene. Saw, itself, I saw him in the movie. I was like, I know that guy. I know that guy too. Uh, that, but like the scene itself, like the grunge rock, heavy metal soundtrack in the background, oh, yeah, and like was... the horribly cut action, and he puts on his goggles, and I'm like, what? It was weird. He got out his knife. What was he? I think was I knew. Gonna, he was... Yeah, we, we, have yeah, to, we don't have to okay. discuss yeah, those yeah, things. Yeah. It's, he's gross. Is the point? Like I was with my friends, we were all uncomfortable. Like, what the heck is happening? Also, did you think Bishop was real or an android? Because at the end, his ears like hanging no, that off. Was, you could see it was red. So I but his was ear blood. was hanging off. Maybe they like had that can, that can actually happen. Really? Yeah. If I like, if I hit you, oh, well, I mean, it could be a. I, it might have made you think it was an android. But if I like hit you like right behind your ear and just like slice it, it could hang. Okay, fair. It could hang like that. Also, in the Bible. I thought. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. I think that uh, also. It, Additionally, the the plane where they're going to use like the fire or whatever is so like incoherent. They I don't know put, what they, they were put doing. They put the water on it; it exploded like it was China. 
What? Yeah, if you had like, if you put like really hot, or like if you. Oh it, yeah, no, I'm talking about like no, I'm talking about like at no before that the first plane when then it blows up and they're like, oh guys, what are we gonna do? We have to go back oh, to yeah, plan. Yeah. Like I don't know what. Like they were gonna like set something on fire and chase it into like a what? I don't really know. I don't know. But I did like how they did set that because there was a bucket that was caught on water and then split in half. That was a cool setup. It's like putting you get your pan out the oven, you put it on your granite. But also again, if bullets can kill a xenomorph, how can hot lead not do it? There's a little inconsistency in the xenomorph's power structure. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I don't really know, but man, I mean, it's just, it's just okay. Yeah, I didn't hate it, but I, I I'll give it like a. Um, Two and a half to three. I'd give it two and a half to three as well. Like it's, it, and you know I'll give it a two and a half myself. I, I I like here's the thing: six and above. Sigourney Weaver gets it. Like true, she's great she's, again. She's the scene great. when she realizes that she has the uh, the the the, the, the queen the queen inside craziness, and when she just fall, like she's great. Yeah, I love she's Sigourney always great Weaver. though. Like when she says, "I need you to kill me" or whatever. Great scene, because she's great. But. Rest of the movies really lackluster, and I really think I gotta give it two point five just because six and above are movies that I want to rewatch. I don't want to rewatch this one. Okay, then I think that's fair. I, I might stick with you at two point five. And then Davis, we're gonna touch on this briefly. We're not gonna talk about it a lot. I don't want to talk about it a lot. You don't want to talk about it a lot. I don't think anybody listening wants us to talk about it a lot. Alien Resurrection, starring Zagorny Weaver again. Winona Ryder. Yeah, she's Dominique, the android. Dominique Pinone, Ron Perlman, Gary Durden. Michael Wincott, Kim Flowers, Dan Hedaya, J.E. Freeman, Brad Dorif, Raymond Cruz, Leland Orser, and then Tom Woodruff as the lead alien again, directed by Jean-Pierre Jeanette, written by the impeccable Joss Whedon Davis. <laughs> no, you heard of that one. Cinematography by Darius Kanji, edited by Herb, um, Herb Schneed, and then Davis, I wrote this... Um, Late at night, so I'm, I'm going to say it out loud on the air. I said music by, quote, the sizzle John Frizzle, so I'm not really... Not really, not really what? I was late at the night. What? The what? The what? The sizzle John Frizzle. I don't know that one. I don't yeah. know that guy. I don't know that guy either, actually. This is... Oh, my... What did you watch, by the way? So I, I want to know... I watched what, this video. just like the timeline of Alien. And it gets to Resurrection. And it talked about Resurrection. I was like, what the world is <laughs> happening in this movie? Yeah, in this movie, uh, by the way, after the Xenomorphs are such a hard thing to come by, they just have like 30 of them locked in a spaceship. And oh, my gosh, you need to see the captain of this ship. He's like... The Xenomorph? What do, you, what do you mean? If if she looks at me wrong, I will end her right now. And I'm like, what? What are you doing? I watched the beginning of it today because I was after Alien Three. It's craziness. So much Joss Whedon li- uh, line delivery as well. By the they way, have any boob jokes? Uh, I don't know, but there is they one. Fall on Sigourney there Weaver. is one shot where they throw one grenade and there's like eight explosions after it, and it's like there's one grenade. Awesome. My guy. I don't really know about that one. The weirdest release date of it all, November sixth, a November release date for a movie. That's interesting. Shortest of the four films in an hour and 49 minutes. Largest budget of $70 million, Mediocre box office yield of $161 million. It was nominated for awards. Could it resurrect the franchise? No, it could not. And Roger Ebert gave the film a negative review, stating, There is not a single shot in the movie to fill one with wonder. <laughs> Later naming it one of the worst films of 1997. Screenwriter Joss Whedon was unhappy with the final product. When asked in 2005 how the film differed from the script he had written, he responded, it wasn't a question of doing anything differently, although they changed the ending. It was mostly a matter of doing everything wrong. They said the lines, mostly, but they said them all wrong. Oh, I'm sure that's the issue. We're not done yet, though. And they cast it wrong, and they designed it wrong, and they scored it wrong. They did everything wrong that they possibly could. 
that they could possibly do. That's actually a fascinating lesson in filmmaking because everything they did reflects back to the script or looks like something from the script, and people assume that. If I hated it, then they changed the script. But it wasn't so much that they changed the script. It's that they just executed it in such a ghastly fashion as to render it almost unwatchable. You know, I wish he took that lesson in filmmaking, Davis, don't you? I wish. We here at Through the Lens do hate Joss Whedon. Let's just be clear on this front. He has changed comic movies forever in a bad way. In a bad way. Conversely, H.R. Geiger, the designer of the original Alien, was pleased with Resurrection, describing it as an excellent film, but was disappointed about not being credited. Huh. And a sequel to Resurrection was planned, as Joss Whedon had written an Earth-set script for Alien 5. <laughs> Sigourney Weaver was not interested in that Good. setting. Thank you. But I'm, has su- remained- I'm, I'm surprised they got her for this, <laughs> frankly. She looked like she phoned it in in this movie. I'm not going to lie. She Good. got like slicked back hair. First of all, her hair in the first three movies were also great. Except, I will say, Alien 3, major flaw of doing the G.I. Jane cut. Like, come on now, y'all. Like, action... Female action stars do not have to shave their heads. Like, come on now. She can have big fluffy hair and it's for it. Uh, yeah, lice. Why, though? I, I, yeah. Because it looked cool. That's why. It looked kind of cool. Yeah, but but that's a bad reason. That's, that's fair. A, that's a bad reason. But all those plans were abandoned. So, this movie, Davis. I, yeah, 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 I'm going to watch Prometheus yeah. later, I think. Honestly, I'm, in, I'm, in, I'm, in, I'm feeling the vibes to watch that later as well, Davis. Just gotta watch it for flag football. So, well, what 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 did you think from what you, little you saw? Because I watched a kill count video, which was more in depth than the story. And it was so all I hilarious. thought was like, why? How did they get Sigourney back? Or how did they? First of all, how did they get Sigourney back? But how did they get Ripley back? <laughs> yeah, I don't know how, how they, they had her how DNA. They morph her with the alien or whatever. It's, yeah, it just sounded stupid. I don't think I'd watch it. It was, and then uh, apparently, uh, Ripley and the alien that was taken out of her in Alien Resurrection have an intimate relationship. Apparently, people thought it was mother-son yeah, relationship, yeah, call, but, yeah, yeah. but in the in the director's actually intended for something more nefarious. Oh, actually, in here's something. In the first movie, first movie, there was a deleted scene. First of all, Ridley Scott, the original ending was going to be like she thought she won, and then she gets blown out the airlock or something, and then How the alien crazy. sits down in the captain's chair and does like a Dallas voice, been like, "That's all, folks," or something. Not he doesn't say that, but something like weird like that. And they were like, "You are not doing that." <laughs> Which like good. I'm a studio got something right for once because that would have sucked. <laughs> let me let me see if I can find it. Uh, oh my god, that is one of the funniest. Ending. Well, and that's also, all, folks. <laughs> okay. Uh, what do you got for me, Davis? What do you got for me? I can keep talking if needed. So there was just. One thing is that this movie just makes people seem so stu- like the line delivery is so bad. The captain again, he's just so absurd. Uh, Ripley uh, basically plays basketball with Ron Perlman, which is absurd, by the way. In Scott's original ending idea for Alien, the grappling gun has no real effect on the xenomorph, and then it moves forward, crashing into Ripley. The xenomorph busts straight through her space helmet and rips her head clean off. <laughs> As if that wasn't depressing enough, the alien, I'm reading this from Screen Rant. So shout out Screen Rant for this. As I was, uh, uh, <laughs> the alien monster would then be seen pressing buttons on the shuttle's dashboard before mimicking Captain Dallas's voice saying, "I'm signing off." Presumably, so basically, just that's all, folks. <laughs> Presumably, the xenomorph would then wait to be rescued by another hapless human crew. And then they were like, "You're not doing that. <laughs> we want Ripley to live," which is good. And Ridley Scott was like, "Yeah, they're right." But there was another deleted scene where she was hi- when she was hiding in the locker in like the alien there was going to be a deleted scene where the alien is aroused by Ripley 
uh. and like looks at her and like touches itself. Well, to, like not like that to like mimic like where her body parts are. So like that also got cut, thankfully. Oh my god. Ridley Scott what? was going through a weird time, man. Evidently what but yeah, that's all that's all some fun facts. All I got all I gotta say, all I gotta say to that, Davis, is what? Pretty good. That's Any the, others you want to play while, while, while you got it? Uh, let's see. Um, no, uh, you know the Stephen A. Smith one's not here, and these got replaced by other ones. But no, there's not really. Oh wait. Um, right behind you. Oh. I don't know that one. I don't. I don't really know that one. I, don't I am the spy. Ah. Um. You know that's from? No, I don't. Team Fortress Two. Oh, okay. There you go. There you go. But this movie, Resurrection, Davis, is so terrible. Even the start was awful. Like, they're all just crazy scientists. And then at one point, the xenomorphs escape by killing one of the xenomorphs to then let the acid blood burn through half the ship. So that was pretty cool. You want me to move on, don't you, Davis? I'm so tired. All right, we'll move on, Davis. In the Resurrection, we're giving it a zero. Yep. Zero out of ten. On to the Ministry of Truth, Davis, and this is a tough one. We Let's go through this one quick. I'm ready. Oh, my goodness, Davis. Dude, you always I'm do ti- this. I'm so tired. Well, you know, if you're not enthused, the audience is not enthused either. What? Well, okay, here is... Here is... What appears to be so Matt Ramos is a guy we've talked about before. This is I know you said yes, 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 yes. But he wrote in a review for Wakanda Forever because he saw it earlier, and he said that it's definitely a step down from the first film. I but there's some things just didn't sit right with him. I'm not going to read the whole review. And then then there was a post on TikTok that read as this, Dave. So I'll read this aloud, and you share your thoughts on this. It says this tweet makes me sick to my stomach. The level of disrespect is insane. So dramatic. It's a, it's a, about a movie. We're getting, we're getting there. Matt Ramos was lucky enough to even be invited to a Marvel premiere, and the first tweet he makes is how it didn't meet his expectations. This movie is a tribute, in all caps, to Chadwick, and he says this so disrespectful it's insane. And he emphasizes on how much he liked Namor. I'm excited for the new characters too, but it's not about them. This movie is honoring Chadwick and the legacy of the Black Panther. The African American community finally gets something, and he wants to strip it away and talk down upon it. This is ridiculous and disrespectful. I have no words for him. Truly disgusting and disappointing. Um, I feel like that's too much to even tackle right now. (laughs) All I'm going to say is... Either you're turning your brain off and the movie's immune to criticism, or it's a tribute to an actor and the movie's immune to criticism. Well, they, Disney's got this army of, not maniacal, uh, um, 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 rabid fans that are just defending them. At every turn. Like, they, they can't do anything wrong. Like, okay, Chadwick Boseman gave a great performance in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. We talked about that, but it wasn't disrespectful to say that we thought Anthony Hopkins should have won the Oscar in that mm-hmm. in that case. Because well, Anthony Hopkins or or uh, Riz Ahmed and Sound of Metal, like that, like I get it, but it's a movie, y'all. It is a movie, and it is not disrespectful to say the movie's bad. Like, if, first of all, if all your criticism are uh, it, it actually paid too much attention to Chadwick Boseman's character, then maybe we can get into that a little bit more. Because how's it not going to right? But what? I don't know, man. It's just madness, madness, and of course, it's just what. Is it? No, don't worry about it. I, I, I'm not worried about it, Davis. But you got anything to say on, on top of this outside? Really, nothing. I'm good, man. I've 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 hit Nirvana in life. Nirvana, Ralph. I don't believe that, Davis. He says he doesn't. Your believe opinions it. on Albert football do not indicate that you've hit Nirvana <laughs> yet. That's all I gotta say about that. But anyway, that'll do it. 
Ministry of Truth will continue next week with probably more about this. Also, fun fact, uh, apparently the Jeffrey Dahmer showrunner reached out to the families and couldn't get any responses. I wonder why. I wonder why, ladies and gentlemen. And with that, we'll do this trivia question again. I'm not going to answer until next week. What is missing from the Alfred Hitchcock classic, The Birds, that is common in almost all other Hollywood movies? We'll answer that question next week. And with that, everybody, thank you to everyone for tuning in to another episode of Through the Lens Spooky Season Cubed. Three times the suspense, three times the Davis, three times the podcast. We hope you enjoyed it, and if you have any thoughts on the Alien Trilogy Plus One, you can reach out to the show directly by following us on Instagram at through the lens W-E-G-L. That's through underscore the underscore lens underscore W-E-G-L. We'll be back next week to discuss the film trilogy from one of the best young directors going in Hollywood today, Jordan Peele. This is Alex Houston alongside my co-host, Davis Carroll, signing off, and we will talk again next week, same time, same place.